You're listening to Lab Notes, your weekly guide to science and innovation. Hello, I'm Mark Inaponos. And I'm Leo Stevens. Welcome to The Brief, where we cover two concepts from science and business. G'day, Mark. What have you got for us today? G'day, Leo. Today I'm going to talk about how university research is funded. Now, research is a costly activity, with the main cost involving the hiring of contract researchers that are going to carry out the work, or the purchase of equipment that is needed to gather the research data. And in general, universities do not provide researchers with funding to carry out their research programs. Instead, researchers have to apply for funding through a competitive process. In Australia, the majority of research funding is available through two government funding organisations. The Australian Research Council, which focuses on all of the sciences, including engineering, social science and the humanities. While the National Health and Medical Research Council focuses on health and medicine. The evaluation process can take more than six months and it has success rates as low as 10%. In other words, you're more likely to be rejected than to be funded. So Mark, it seems like these um, bodies, the ARC and the NHMRC, almost become new employers for the researchers. Is that the case or are they still always employees of the university? People that are hired on funding awarded by the ARC and the NHMRC are employees of the university, but they're funded through what is called soft money. So once the funding of the ARC and the NHMRC runs out, generally speaking, that will be then the end of their involvement and employment with the university. Right, so they only retain employment at the university on the basis that they continue to get grant funding from these bodies. Correct, yeah. Um, So what happens with, I guess, the more senior people who have tenure and and their grants run out? Is that still the case? You mean they run out in terms of funding or if you're a a tenured person that gets a fellowship from one of these funding organisations? I guess, I mean, there are clearly employees of universities who are not fully funded by grants. What What is the um, system of keeping them employed? They get funded through a university uh, operating cost. So the main part of income from a university comes through teaching income, through fees, student fees, and also government subsidies. And that's what gets or keeps most people in employment in particular if they are employed as a traditional research and teaching academic where they spend 50% of their time on teaching and 50% on research. So if the employment of these uh, researchers is largely dictated by whether they can keep grants and success rates are as low as 10%, I imagine there's a pretty steep drop-off in the number of researchers over the course of a typical career. Is Is that the case? Do people generally just drop out of academia? Yeah, a lot of people will eventually drop out of academia. So the amount of 
people that we train, say, at the entry level of researchers as either honor students or PhD students, it's only a very small proportion of the people that we train to become researchers to eventually end up at a senior level in research at a university. And where do they go? They go everywhere, Leo. They end up in governments and non-governmental organizations that might have a completely 90-degree career change. Some of them become entrepreneurs. It, it's like yourself, so it, it depends. It's, they, they go everywhere is my, my opinion. All right, well, shall we move on to the next topic? Yeah, surely. What have you got for us today? So we're trying to pair these topics up. Um, mine is how entrepreneurship is funded. So like researchers, most entrepreneurs need external funding to get their ideas off the ground. And a key step towards obtaining that funding is a process called pitching. So a pitch usually includes a deck of slides made in a program like PowerPoint, and that deck will include key information about the business, like its core goal, its flagship product, growth forecasts, and competitor landscape. And there are a huge number of great examples of these pitch decks online. Importantly, these decks are delivered to investors with the hope of coaxing investors to provide their money to this entrepreneur and allow them to pursue this vision, this dream of the company that they're, they're proposing. The deck of slides itself is almost always delivered alongside a verbal pitch where the founders add more context and engage the audience with a well-crafted story about the startup. If you've seen a show like Shark Tank, you will have heard short pitches about business already. Importantly, a pitch is not a full business plan. It covers the essentials, but it's first and foremost a showcase of the best aspects of the business. It's designed to get new partners and new investors engaged and excited to learn more. And it's through follow-on processes like due diligence that really those investors get to dig into the, the details of the company. So in essence, pitching is the way that entrepreneurs try to attract funding and it's the closest equivalent I could find to grants other than the grants that are available for entrepreneurs, which we'll probably cover it in another time. Yeah, that's great. So how does this feedback get back to the founders? Is it like instantaneous? Does it take time? Yeah, pitching is generally done face-to-face -face with, the, with the investor in question. So feedback can be immediate and often just by way of the questions that the investors are asking or if they're asking questions at all, you'll get a sense of how interested they are in what's being proposed. There can also often be a kind of follow-on in, in a few days or in a week that will be a more formal answer on behalf of the investors as to whether they want to proceed to the next stages, which is due diligence. And is it as black and white as I've seen on television and some of the reality shows where either someone points a finger or says yes or no? Uh, no, it's, it's always followed by a period of negotiation. If the investor is interested, then they have to dig through the details more closely and then the investors and the business or the founders come to an agreement about what the terms of that investment will be. And it, it remains a negotiation process right up to the point which the documents are signed. Hmm. And how long is a typical pitch? Uh, it varies dramatically. So the shortest ones are, are what's called elevator pitches, which are meant to be delivered literally in an elevator, moving between floors when you so have like a few minutes. Less 30 seconds might be an elevator pitch. Uh, a more typical one would be, you know, three to five minutes that would be delivered in a, a structured way to a group of investors. But it, it can be, you know, up to half an hour or 45 minutes, even an hour if you are kind of 
pre-selected as one of the highly likely prospective businesses, you might be asked to go to a VC and deliver a detailed pitch about your business, and that could be comprehensive. So VC is a venture capitalist. VC yeah. is a venture capitalist. They're kind of the, the, the big sharks in the sea of Shark Tank. Uh, <laughs> they're the ones that control money, not only their own personal money, but also on behalf of other investors. So you mentioned pitching is something that startups do. So what do more established companies do if they are looking for more investment? Would they involve in a pitch or is there different mechanisms for them to gain there are funding. There are different mechanisms. So a really big company, an established company, might do something called a bond issue, and they will then have a prospectus. The prospectus is the equivalent of the pitch. It contains all the details about the the funding opportunity and all the details about the business itself. And a bond issue is essentially asking for a loan from new investors. The alternative to that is to do a share issue, so like an IPO or a follow-on public offer, an FPO, uh, systems where the, the companies can make a pitch to new investors and new investors will take an equity stake in that company. So yeah, those are the two methods, a bond release for loan funding uh, and a follow-on public offer for equity funding. Thank you, Leo. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for tuning in to the brief. As always, hit us up if you have ideas, comments or suggestions and see you next week. See you next week.